Adventure. A word ringing with promise, with excitement, with newness. I'm Mikkel, the host to the Mama Adventure podcast, a resource for new moms who want to embrace themselves and their motherhood with intention and joy. Welcome to this space of sisterhood. Welcome to the Mama Adventure. All right, I'm super excited to be here today with Stephanie Webb, um, who's going to talk to us a little bit more about intuitive eating, which is a little a little bit different of the topics I normally bring up here, but it's something I think applies to everyone and definitely to new moms. And so, Stephanie, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm Stephanie Webb. <laughs> I have a master's degree in nutrition. Um, I'm also an eating psychology coach and a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, I've been practicing as a nutritionist for, let's see, almost four years now. Um, and intuitive eating changed my life. I feel like, you know, there's there's so much noise out there about nutrition. And I think, like you said, especially for new moms, I think there's a lot of pressure around food and body. And I feel like intuitive eating just really kind of solves all those problems. So I think I think you're right. This is especially relevant to your to your people that are listening to this podcast. And like you said, for everyone, I think intuitive eating is is the answer. I think it's the missing piece in our relationship with food. So yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love that. Me too. I'm very, very big fan. I my journey with my relationship with my body and my relationship with food has done a massive 180 over the last decade, I guess you could say. And so I am a, a big proponent of like working on that relationship before like just looking at like the rules of how you should be eating, you know, but like really kind of turning internally and looking at it more wholly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, Totally. Yeah. So for those, I, I feel like that's kind of a word that gets thrown around intuitive eating, but for those who kind of don't know what that means, or maybe has some, have some misconceptions of what that means, could you explain it a little bit? Oh, okay. Yeah. So intuitive eating is really just kind of a, a way of looking at food um, and, and the relationship that we have with food. It's a set of principles that help you the goal of intuitive eating really is to help you kind of step into the driver's seat when it comes to food. Um, so to be able to listen to your body wisdom and to interpret that, to be able to take care of yourself in the best way possible and also releases you of the pressure to follow dieting. So it's actually um, how I would define dieting is an external, you know, person, program, whatever, that's telling you what, when, and how much to eat. Intuitive eating gets rid of all of that. The expert of your body is you. And so um, dieting is is really rigid and prescriptive of telling you, you know, you can have this many grams of protein or or whatever the rules are that you're following. And intuitive eating really throws all that out the window and allows you to get in touch with your hunger and fullness, with your satisfaction, with your preferences, with your emotions, and really just make eating and self-care uh, very personal and, and make it work for you in a way that might be different from everyone else, but that makes you feel good in your own body. Mm. It's it's like putting the mindfulness back in eating in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Mindfulness is definitely a big piece of it. Oh, I love that. And you mentioned that intuitive eating had a really big impact in your life. What what did that look like for you personally? 
Yeah, so I was definitely a chronic dieter. I program hopped. Um, you know, after I started having kids, I started feeling that pressure after my oldest was born of like, oh, I need to lose the baby weight. And like, what does that even mean? But um, really started feeling the pressure to lose weight, got into dieting, started reading dieting books, and really kind of started pursuing nutrition under the guise of dieting. (laughs) I started becoming interested in nutrition with the purpose of micromanaging food and my body. And um, eventually went on to grad school with the same purpose in mind of thinking that if I I could just learn everything there was to know about nutrition and food, then I would be able to eat perfectly. I really thought that the, the problem was that I didn't know enough. And if I could just have all the answers, then I would do perfectly. And what I found as I learned more and more and read all the textbooks and wrote all the papers and did all the things nutrition-wise, that there was an ever-growing gap between what I knew I quote-unquote should be doing and the way that I was actually eating and taking care of myself. My stress eating was at an all-time high. I would go on like really strict... um, juice cleanses or intermittent fasting or things that, you know, that there's some, there's some health benefits there, but really was, it was extreme and it was restrictive and it would lead me to, you know, binge eating Oreos in my closet. Like it, I was just very chaotic. And I think a lot of people can relate with that on some level that when we're practicing food restriction, we will always swing to the extreme because that's how our, our brains are programmed. It's a protective mechanism. It's not a lack of willpower. But when I found intuitive eating, it was really enlightening for me to realize that it wasn't that I hadn't found the answer yet. It was that the answer was me. Like I, the answers were in me. All that I needed to know to feed myself well was already inside of me that I didn't need a book to tell me how to do that other than the book that helped me guide guide myself home to myself, I guess, really come home to myself in a way that put me back in charge and and released me from the pressure to eat perfectly or to look perfectly. I think along with healing your relationship with food, there comes, you know, the other half of that, which is healing your relationship with your body because we fight food because we fight our bodies. Um, So all of that, yeah, just really was, was a huge shift for me. And of course, massively influenced, or I guess maybe did a 180 on the way I was working with clients before. And now, yeah, now it's intuitive eating all the way. I feel like it really just was, was true for me. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. I love that so much. Um, so for others who kind of find themselves maybe in a similar position where, um, they know like, Hey, like I want to improve my relationship with my body. I can tell that maybe things are off kilter with my relationship with food or nutrition, or maybe I've gotten to, like the back and forth of yo-yo dieting and things like that, but aren't really sure kind of how to make that shift, like how to step out of the, the, the mental patterns, like the, the, you know, the scripts that we tell ourselves, things that like, oh, I can't eat this or I should do this or I'll have to like make up for it tomorrow or, or whatever that is. Like, what's the, what would you suggest are the first few steps to start to kind of rewire our thinking and start to reconnect to food in in a positive way where we we are getting to know yourself and finding those answers inside ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I feel like this is 
you know, this is what I do for a living is teach all of this. So I'm trying to think, okay, how can I succinctly answer this question? Because I feel like there's so many different things. People need to go on your site. You know, that's the real answer is people need to go book your services, right? (laughs) Well, Well, I mean, I definitely feel like I am an expert, so I would be able to help you. But I do think, well, and also I'll recommend reading the book, Intuitive Eating. That's a great starting point. And one that I think a lot of people... Actually, I would say everyone that I work with one-on-one has read the book and then been like, okay, this is awesome. Now, how do I do this? So I think in order to really get your wheels turning, really diving into intuitive eating, they're actually coming out with a a fourth edition this year, which is really exciting, but it's actually very well researched. It's backed up by science. Um, So just really going into into this paradigm shift, I think one of the most important things is, um, how can I say this? Like coming to the point where you are willing to go out on a limb to trust your body. I think at the heart of our issues with food is that we don't trust our bodies. We feel like our bodies are the enemy. The weight that we carry might be the enemy. Um, the cravings we have, our appetite might feel like something we have to fight against or to conquer or to control. And I think one of the first steps and there's a lot of first steps for sure. But I think this is, again, like something that's at the heart for everyone is realizing that your body is always right. Your body has your back. Your body can be trusted. Your body isn't just doing random things to make you miserable. Your body is on your side. And so I think if we can kind of like unite the things that need to be united and think about, instead of thinking about food as the enemy or food as bad or food is going to make me gain weight or, um, you know, sugar is, is evil or whatever, all those things we think that we can think, you know, my body and I are on the same team and food is a tool that we can use to take care of us. Maybe that sounds like a little bit, I don't know, split personality there <laughs> to separate me from my body. But I think we do that. We, we tend to kind of think about my body is, is wrong and I need to control and micromanage where if we can shift to having our body and us be on the same team. We're fighting for the same goal. We're fighting for wellness and you know comfort and peace and freedom and all those things. That's a good first step. I also think um, another good first step, I guess you can't do two first things, but <laughs> another thing is to, and this is actually the first principle of intuitive eating is, and I think they, they call it to ditch the diet, um, to really recognize the diet mentality. I think you know, awareness, they, like they always say, awareness is the first step. And I think for us to even be aware of the problems in our relationship with food, we have to bring some awareness to our thought patterns around food to be able to recognize, like you said, when we're thinking, okay, I shouldn't be eating this or whatever, to recognize that thought for what it is and to call it out. Like that's diet language. Like that's diet culture telling me, what I should eat or how much I should eat or when I should eat and turn inward. Like, what do I want? What does my body want? Um, And of course, if there's, you know, like you said, if our eating is out of balance, if we have eating patterns that are chaotic or unpredictable that we feel like just yanked back and forth, I think there's a lot of work that can be done there, but it all starts with um, trust, like I said before, but also curiosity, be, being willing to ask those questions like, 
what is going on for me? How do I relate with my body? And um, what's gotten me to this point? What have been my experiences with food? And also, what do I want? What do I want my relationship with food to look like? How do I want to feel, think, and act around food on a daily basis? Do I want to track my macros forever? I don't know, probably not. It's like super lame and way not fun. Do I want to, you know, restrict sugar forever? Probably not. Most people don't want to live that way. So what do I want? I probably don't want to stay out of balance. I don't want to stay swinging back and forth. Um, what would that middle ground look like for me? So I think being willing to ask those questions and to get personal with yourself of what you really want. You might want to be thin. You might want to lose weight. And also, at the same time, you probably don't want to feel hungry all the time. You don't want to feel restricted or deprived. So thinking about, you know, emotional, physical, spiritual, all the things, all the parts of wellness, what do you want that to look like? And then start to gradually baby step your way there. When we have the goal in mind, I think it's a lot easier to get where we want to go. Wow. I think it's so powerful to look at kind of what was coming to my mind as you were speaking is looking at um, our connection with our body, the way that we would look at a relationship with another person, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. As you were talking, and I, I think about it that way, and sometimes I look at my thoughts or or things or like journal entries and stuff and like talking about like body and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I, I do kind of sound like I have that, that like split thing. <laughs> Cause I'll, <laughs> yeah, talk about, totally. I'll talk about like, it's another person. Cause I thought yes. about that a lot while I was pregnant. Um, like I, I love how you were talking about, you have to learn to trust your body. Cause I feel like as, as women, like if we have like when you're when you are pregnant you kind of have to go through a step where suddenly your body is growing and it's getting better like getting bigger and you have to you have to kind of take that step to say okay I trust you yeah the right thing you know definitely but then later like when we've had our babies and like our babies are they're born they are growing and now our body is different and our body may not be reacting like to food the same way or or maybe we just don't have the like time resources to maybe live the same lifestyle we were living before you know like like right now like I'm so excited when I get like a walk-in <laughs> with my son <laughs> yeah because he, he's so busy you know that a lot of my day is just caring for him right now totally and so like being able to trust our bodies to know again like okay what do you what do you need and what you need can't be like told to me by a diet because my diet doesn't know my ancestry. You know, my diet doesn't know my preferences. It doesn't know my mood and, and like so many different things. And like the only, the only resource that like knows all of those things combined to find a good answer for food is, is yourself. And I, I love that. Like I, some of the things you say, like they're kind of rolling in my mind right now and I want to go and do some serious self-reflecting after this episode. And, like, write things down. I love it. Do it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think also um, what you said, like, I think um, as as new moms, you know, we we are lacking in a lot of resources that we might have had before, right? Time being like a huge one. I think attention also, but I also think one thing that really um, kind of stabs us in the back when it comes to our the way we relate with our body after we have a baby, after we give birth, is this false assumption that bodies should that that they're, that they're like rubber bands that they should just snap back to the way that yeah. they were, and well, instead of thinking about our body of like, 
it changes throughout our life. Our body, our weight, our size, our shape is going to change many times throughout our lives. And I think to go into pregnancy and birth thinking this is a temporary thing and soon I'm going to look the same as I did before is a, is a false um, kind of belief that will set us up for essentially <laughs> misery. So I think like all the new moms have all the compassion for yourself. Your body is supposed to change. It is supposed to look different after you give birth and it is not supposed to go back to the way you were before. That would be like not like anything in the in the entire world. Like you think about like a flower. It's never going to like go back to the place it was, you know, a month ago. <laughs> like things move forward, things progress and they grow and change and we don't ever go backwards. We don't expect that with anything except postpartum bodies, which is like so weird and so dysfunctional. And so I think for all the moms, like give yourself a break and don't expect yourself to look different or to feel, or sorry, to, to look the same or to feel the same as you did before. Your life has changed. Your body has done this fundamentally amazing thing that you will never be able to undo. And that's a good thing. <laughs> like We should celebrate how different our bodies are after giving birth and, and allow that to be part of the organic process of being a woman that is is able to do this amazing thing of of bringing life into the world. So I think it's something to celebrate and also something to shift our mind around that it's not our body is not a problem to be solved. We don't have to think about like, well, I, how can I get back to where I was? No, let's just look forward. How can I take care of the body I have right now? Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, so something that occurred to me, I want to ask you, I'm not sure like if this would have come up like in your studies or not, I, I figure I, I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that lots of moms, um, struggle with, um, anxiety who might be struggling with like postpartum depression or something, but even if they're not like baby blues is real and mm -hmm. even just like the stress of being like a new mom, like that is, that is no small thing. That is a, a big thing. Totally. So, thinking about those things, could you speak a little bit to how like your mental state and your food choices like impact each other and, and how that like awareness of that, like maybe plays a role in intuitive eating as a mom where those things are going on. Like there is like a lot more stress and maybe more anxiety and things like that. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the the hardest parts of like being an adult, <laughs> like growing up is learning how to take care of ourselves. And I think that undergoes a lot of changes, especially when we become parents and there's this whole other factor. And I think we it's it's very easy because of, you know, emotional disruptions, like you said, hormonal disruptions, like sleep, all the things are different. It's really easy to kind of neglect our self-care. And then I think what we do is we start to feel like really crappy in our body, right? We're, we're not, we're not getting the sleep we need, which of course is, is <laughs> to be expected. You're probably not going to get enough sleep for a while, but I think there, there comes a little bit of, um, Oh, what's the word I want to use? Maybe like a loosening in the way that we approach self-care and, and for good reason. But I also think then we allow those thoughts of like, oh man, I'm not feeling my best to kind of morph into, 
I need to do something extreme. I need to like eat perfectly. I need to do all these things. When I really think self-care can be um, can be a lot more flexible than that. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, I don't think the answer is to embark on some new eating program or to buy a meal plan or um, to start being really strict with yourself. I think a good starting point is like, am I eating consistently, adequately, and regularly throughout the day? Like that's like self-care 101. Am I eating breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner every single day? Am I getting enough food. And I really feel like if we can get to a point where we're eating rhythmically, we're eating regularly throughout the day, that can kind of act as like a windshield wiper for other issues that might be coming up. Because what tends to happen is we neglect self-care. Let's say we're feeling, wake up and we're feeling like, oh my gosh, my clothes are tight or I stepped on the scale, which by the way, don't step on the scale. Like just get rid of your scale. Um, It's not a valid measurement tool for anything about you. Um, But we we do these things and then we're like, well, I'm not going to eat breakfast or I need to skimp on calories here. And so we tend to really restrict food earlier in the day. This is my experience personally when I had young kids and with pretty much everyone I've worked with (laughs) that we wake up feeling like, oh, I can do this. I can conquer food and food is this battleground and I'm going to restrict. And then what happens, you know, by 4 p.m., we're like binging in the pantry. We're face planting into the ice cream after we put the kids down. So, of course, we feel terrible. Like our body, again, it's just like, wait, what's happening? Like I'm under eating and then I'm overeating and I'm like swinging back and forth. So I think establishing a rhythmic pattern there will really be a windshield wiper of like, what are my real issues going on? If I'm hungry, I cannot make wise self-care decisions. If I'm hungry, I cannot be emotionally level-headed in any aspect of my life. Like hunger is not a place we want to stay very long. Like, yes, we should get hungry. Like for sure, allow yourself to get, you know, comfortably hungry and then eat. (laughs) And so I think a, a lot of our emotional... Um, baggage that we bring to food, I think can be, a lot of it can be solved by eating often enough and by eating enough when we sit down to eat. And then I think there's the other piece, you know, once you have that piece taken care of that you're like, okay, I'm adequately nourished that now I can look at my relationship with food a little bit more objectively. Hunger is not making me feel like a crazy person. (laughs) I'm stabilizing my you know, my hunger hormones a little bit better by eating regularly, all of those things, then we can look at, okay, am I still, what are my patterns with food? Do I still have, you know, am I binging at night or is there, am I eating emotionally more often than not? Is food my main coping mechanism? Um, I think those are better questions than, um, am I eating too much sugar or, Uh, Some of the other questions that diet culture tends to make us ask, I think we have to operate under the assumption that like what we're doing is okay (laughs) and I'm fine and it's not, my body is not an emergency. Now, how can I improve that just by one little step? I don't need to overhaul my diet. If I'm eating enough and I'm eating consistently, what other patterns am I recognizing around food? And what's one small thing that I could do that? I think like you said earlier, you know, (laughs) this is why I think having a coach is valuable. This is what I do is I look at people's patterns and say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Like, I don't have anything magic. It's just having someone who can see externally without the, you know, pressure of being the person that's living (laughs) this story, seeing, okay, it looks to me like you're skipping meals a lot, or it looks like you're restricting yourself to only one dessert a week. So 
no wonder you're feeling crazy around sugar or whatever it is. Um, so I think having that objective person can be helpful, but anyone can, you know, go through this self-coaching process on their own of just kind of looking at, am I eating often enough? Am I eating enough? Am I feeding myself enough? And then what else is going on there? And maybe emotions are a part of that. Maybe they're not, but I think, yeah, there, uh, clearly there's a lot I could say on this. Clearly I could talk for like 12 days. <laughs> And maybe I will if you just let me, but, but I think there's, there's a lot that we can do to assess the situation of our relationship with food and then make wise decisions moving forward. Mm, yeah. So for people who are listening to this, who are like, okay, I want to do that. I want to like, I want to do a self-evaluation and okay. As you've been talking, Stephanie, my brain is like, okay, yeah. And it's like observing <laughs> thinking about my own habits. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. We all do it. Right. It's like hard. Sometimes you just need to hear it and be like, oh yeah, I do that. Like, oh yeah, that's a thing for me. <laughs> and there's a reason why, you know, there's a reason behind why like we have those patterns, you know, like totally. there's something emotional driving it usually, I think. Yeah, there's always a good reason for what we do. I think we're so hard hard on ourselves and we're like, well, I'm just lazy or I just have no self-control. Like, no, what you're doing, you're doing it for a dang good reason. So operate under that assumption that like, this is a right thing. Like my brain perceives this as the safest, best right thing to do. And what's going on there for me? Like if I feel like I need to eat to the point of like, you know, stuffing myself on a daily basis, my brain for some reason thinks that that is keeping me safe. And so I need to evaluate objectively like, okay, wow, what what's going on for me here? You know, just being willing to ask that question instead of jumping to judgment or criticism or fixing. Yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier about how our relationship to our body is like a relationship with another person, right? But like if another person came up to us and confided like maybe things that they were struggling with or habits they had, like we we would be compassionate. You know, if it was like a friend or something, we would be we would be kind, we would try and understand where they were coming from. And maybe this is a little hokey or so, or out there, but I'm a little bit that way. So as you've been talking, I've been thinking about how like intuitive eating is kind of like that compassionate friend who wants to say like, okay, like what's really wrong? What's going on? How can I help you? Whereas like dieting is more like a toxic friend, you know, who wants to like punish or restrict or control or manipulate um, and like who is not giving that compassion to like the other person, because our body's communicating to us. If a friend were communicating to us, how would we respond, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think thinking about the way you talk to yourself about food and about your body, you know, if you're looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, you're so disgusting, you, you know, whatever mean things you're saying, I think taking note of that and thinking like, wow, that is so inappropriate. Like, I would never talk to another human being like that. What makes me think that I have the right to talk to myself like that? Like, I think the word toxic is exactly spot on. Like, it's creating a toxic environment for ourselves, which then, you know, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy around food. And we kind of tend to perpetuate those unhelpful behaviors because we don't have the the kindness and self-compassion that we really need to move forward in making positive change. Yeah, I love that. All right, I'm going to take a little pause on this episode, which is excellent, to do something a little bit different. I decided that instead of sharing an ad with you today, I wanted to share instead my gratitude and just a a shout out to those really amazing heroes who are 
just really serving the world right now during this period of quarantine and social distancing. I want to give a big shout out to our health workers, to doctors, to public transit, to those who are um, really keeping things moving through grocery stores and online delivery and delivery men themselves. There's so many people and many that I did not list here that are truly serving the world. So instead of giving you an ad today, I would rather give you an invitation to reach out to someone in your own life who is filling one of those roles and just send them a quick thank you text or a quick thank you DM or something like that for what they do and how much they're really supporting us while we're all inside trying to keep each other from getting sick. And if you fall into one of these roles, you are in one of these industries who's still chugging along and really helping serving people, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and all you're doing to keep us safe and to keep us healthy. I hope you stay healthy and safe and have a wonderful day. So, okay, so for someone who wants to kind of do that self-analysis and say, okay, let me look at myself, my patterns with kindness, compassion, and like kind of do some honest self-work and stuff and then move forward trying to go on this self, um, on this intuitive eating journey, what words, phrases, scripts, and different things would you recommend just dropping out of like that mental vocabulary, things that should just stay away from like like I, sh- I should do this or whatever. Like what, what do you find um, as someone who works with a lot of clients are kind of the common mental traps that we, we get into that kind of prohibit us from moving forward? Yeah, I think you brought up a good one when you said should. I feel like should is like a mental red flag for me if I'm saying to myself, I should be doing this. I will say don't should all over yourself. And I really <laughs> think when we hear that word coming up in our thoughts, it's like, well, why? Like Who's telling me that? Where is this? You know, is it the food police? They talk about that in intuitive eating, like challenging the food police. Is there, you know, someone in my life who's making me believe this or where have I picked this rule up? So should is always a good one. I think um, when we hear those toxic thoughts, it, it feels like, well, you know, I'm so, I'm so far gone that being cruel to myself is the only way to help myself do better. Or feeling in some twisted way like guilt is going to solve the problem. Or like, you know, I can't be nice to myself because if I'm nice to myself, I'll just let myself go and then I'll just, you know, be... So I think all of that is, I would recommend um, a book called Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. It's like super good, Um, a good accompaniment to intuitive eating. Maybe they should just put them into one volume. Just kidding. I don't think they know each other, but they're really good and go really well hand in hand. I think that we have to get really adept at recognizing those thoughts and then, like you said, replacing them. And it's going to be different in the moment from moment to moment. But I think always like being willing and able to put my hand on my heart and say, I'm human. I'm suffering right now. What do I really need? That's one thing that um, Kristen Neff talks about in that book, Self-Compassion. Being willing to ask yourself what you really need. The answer is very rarely I need someone to be super mean to me or someone to scream at me like, put the brownie down or whatever. I think more often it's we need to reassure ourselves to give ourselves what we need to hear. And like you were saying, what would a friend say to us? That's the thoughts we should be planting in our own head. Things like, 
I am doing my best to learn how to take care of this body that I have right now. That's a really positive thing to say instead of like, oh, I'm such a failure. Why can't I get this right? To remind yourself, I'm doing the best I can. We are doing great. I'm doing a great job at practicing. I'm learning. I'm doing all the things. All these negative experiences with food are just good data. They're not, it's not going to ruin your life. It's not going to mess up your health forever. You're just practicing. You're learning how, you're relearning how to eat. You're learning how to take care of yourself. And that's hard. I think we have to give ourselves that compassion and be willing to catch those negative thoughts when they happen and replace them with something that feels a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more gentle, a little bit more compassionate. So I think there could be like 150,000 words or phrases that we could say, but I think ultimately being the adult in this relationship (laughs) with ourselves and being big enough to be like, okay, I feel like yucky right now and I want to go back to my old self-defeating, cruel self-talk, but I know that that's not going to move me forward in feeling better. That's not going to be helpful to me. So what do I need to hear right now in this moment? And then say that to myself. Mm. That's so good. I love just saying like, be the adult in the relationship. Just, you know, bring down the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts also. Um, I, I feel like I've heard express and I know I felt this myself too, as my own like relationship with food and stuff started to shift is in turning towards intuitive eating, I think there's some misconceptions about it. One of them being a a fear. I think it's rooted in fear that if I do intuitive eating, if I'm not following some kind of like regimen of what I should or shouldn't eat, but I'm, I I think there's this mentality of like, you just eat what you want when you want. And if I do that because of my patterns in the past, that means, you know, I'll just eat cake or something like that. You know, like you'll only eat unhealthy things. And I know that's not true with intuitive eating, but I, I, wonder if you would speak to a little bit of why, like for someone who's feeling that fear of if I just eat what I want to, like, what's like, what's going to happen? You know, like that's a scary place to go, you know, like how would you address that fear? Totally. Yeah. I think that is a huge misconception about intuitive eating that it is just eat what you want whenever you want. And I think it's really easy to jump straight from like dieting and restriction and people are like, well, I'm just going to go all in on this intuitive eating thing. And I'm just going to eat with abandon and I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to eat. Yeah, I'm going to eat all day. And I think, you know, we have to, there's a, there's a delicate balance here that we have to strike. And I think this is why it helps to get some help through this process because all of us go through a phase of needing to release ourselves from the pressure of dieting, to give ourselves unconditional permission to eat. But I think also with that needs to come Um, a real assessment of like what feels good. So I think while there's going to be a period of, I don't know, like a honeymoon period with food and it lasts, you know, different lengths for everyone. I feel like ultimately the goal is to be able to self-moderate. And I think that's what intuitive eating teaches really well when we are like awake enough to hear it. I think to a lot of people, it sounds like, well, it's the opposite of dieting. So it must be super chaotic and I must just like, you know, go crazy and eat all the things all the time. When really intuitive eating is helping you learn how to self-moderate and find that middle ground with food so that you're honoring your hunger, you're honoring your fullness. You're not, you're honoring, you know, one of the principles, the last principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. So there's definitely nutrition pieces here, like building balanced meals, um, 
in our group coaching program, we talk a lot about meal planning and exercise, like all of these really great self-care behaviors. So I think again, like you said, you nailed it. Like it is, it is rooted in fear. I think it's, it's rooted in fat phobia and weight stigma, weight bias, which is a huge problem in our culture that we all think yeah. that gaining some weight is like literally the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Um, and I think we're terrified. We are so terrified of gaining weight that we just white knuckle food. And we're like, well, heaven forbid I let go of this steering wheel because then I'm just going to dive off of a cliff, you know? So I think it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Like we have to be willing to trust that we're not going to dive off a cliff, that letting go of the white knuckle grip we have on food is going to allow us to open up to new possibilities and new ways of taking care of ourselves. And it's going to involve a huge learning curve. Like it's going to involve lots of uncertainty. I'm not going to say that intuitive eating is easy. It is not. It is literally, literally the hardest thing I've ever done. (laughs) I think it's as hard as learning how to be a mom. I think it is so hard because it's undoing so many beliefs. It's retraining so many old thought patterns, but also I would never, ever go back to where I was before. I think intuitive eating, because it's so hard and because it's so much work and it's so personal, it brings you to this place of possibility that you never would have thought possible, that you can have all this freedom and confidence with food, that you will never again sit down to a table and worry about what you're going to eat. Or or you'll never get into a place where you're like, oh man, I ate that brownie. Should I have eaten that brownie? Do I have to run it off? Like I never do those things anymore. And so, and you know, four years ago, if I would have known I would have been sitting here, I, I would have been like, what? That's not even possible. Like it's not even possible for me, neurotic me with all these crazy thoughts running around in my head to ever truly have peace in my body and peace with food. But that's what intuitive eating can give you if you will give it the chance. Mm, I love that. I'm just, I'm smiling over here on the <laughs> microphone because I'm just, you're speaking truth to so many things that I, I believe in and I, I feel very deeply. So thank you so much. And, and yeah. thank you for, for coming on today. Yeah, it's been um, great. Is there anything um, like that I did not cover that you would want to tell our audience today before we go? Oh gosh, no. I feel like I probably said That's way too much. <laughs> I, just, I do have a podcast myself. So if you want to hear me talk all all the more things, then you can go listen to my podcast yeah. because and you can break it up a little bit. I won't I won't do all the things here, but I do I do like to talk, so that's a thing. That's a thing you could go listen to. I mean, I obviously like to talk because I started a podcast, right? I needed somebody <laughs> to put best, all those words. The best career. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, actually, yeah. Tell us where to find you, like on social media and stuff, so we can all go follow your own podcast and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would love to say hi. So I'm on Instagram at intuitive dot eating dot nutritionist. Intuitive eating nutritionist with dots between. It's like the longest handle ever. That's my um, my account, and then I. have have a business that I run with my business partner, Emily Fonsbeck. She's a registered dietitian. We own, we co-own Eat Confident Co. And that's where our podcast lives. Um, our podcast is called Eat With Confidence. So you can search that on, you know, all the podcast apps, Eat With Confidence. Our website is eatconfident.co. We have a bunch of free resources on there. We have a group coaching program. Um, so yeah, we have lots of good stuff over there. And... Am I anywhere else? I think that's all. I think that's all the things I do. <laughs> but yeah, I would love for anyone to come to come say hi. 
Awesome. That's so great. Thank you so much for coming on, Stephanie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here and tune in next week for another episode of The Mama Adventure.